0: Welcome to the Handyman Pros radio show. Home improvement repair and maintenance tips from the pros. The Handyman Pros radio show. Who the heck are these guys? Thanks for listening to the Handyman Pros radio show. My name's Larry. I'm here with my buddy John. John, how you doing today? I am doing
1: very well, Larry. Are Thank you sure? You. I think so. I'm i vertical. We're <laughs> above ground. Yes. It's good. Awesome. We love it. So, uh,
0: John, the topic of this show is who are these guys? And so this is actually our first episode. So what we thought we would do is we would interview each other and describe what our qualifications are and, and what we've done that actually allow us to come forth and bring you this radio podcast. or this radio podcast, yeah, I guess we'll call it a radio show, Um, but uh, some of the things that that we've done and and why do we get the unique privilege of coming to you and and bringing this topic to you. So I wanted to ask you a question, John, what do you actually do right now for a living? What's your job?
1: Yeah, so right now, Larry, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I am a handyman, and that's what I've been doing for the last year, and um, just a have been, had a lot of fun doing it helped a lot of people doing it and um you know that's why I want to come on this show and we'll, let's talk about that
0: Well, that sounds good to me. So I, too, am a handyman. We work full-time. John and I actually work together. We work in the north suburbs of Atlanta, um, Georgia, and um, we work in the north Georgia area as a general rule. Um, We see lots of different things, and so one of the things that we were wanting to discuss with you is just some of our qualifications and some of the places that we've gone and some of the things that we've done. So, John, you grew up where? Didn't you grow up I grew up, up
1: outside of Chicago, um, and I grew up in a in a pretty older home. Yep. It was built in the in the fifties, um, and as I grew up, I was always fixing things.
0: Yeah, I'll bet your dad made you do that stuff. Dude. And my
1: dad made me do that stuff. Um, you know, we never really had anybody. I I actually can't remember any. Any time we actually had somebody come out and fix anything, except maybe a guy that had to drill a well in our, at our house. Course, you had we a had,
0: well at your house? We had
1: a well at the house. Was it?
0: Wait, isn't your house like in the city of Chicago? It was in the suburbs. It was in the burbs? And oh, uh, we, we had a 50s. septic tank. Oh, really? So you had septic and a well. Yeah. So I grew up in western New York, outside of Rochester, New York, in, the, in a southern suburb there, down by the New York State Thruway for those of you from that part of the world, a little town called Victor, New York. And we, too, actually had a well. Uh, We had a well and, of course, had a septic system. Grew up on a 60-acre farm. And one thing we share in common is that my dad, as well, also never had anybody come to the house to fix anything. He told my brother and I, uh, you know, I'm at work, you're fixing things. And so um, we both, my brother and I, I say, we both had to learn how to do things, and it was... Questions like, "Well, gee, Dad, how do we do this?" He goes, "I don't know. Figure it out." You know, right? And, and a lot of the things in those days were pre-internet. So today, you just go to YouTube and type in what's whatever you're trying to repair. But in those days, you actually had to learn things and you had
1: to had to teach them. Is that kind of the same thing you had? Is that the same? That's right. And uh, when my dad went to work, it was if I had to get up in the attic, just don't fall through the ceiling. <laughs> so you learn a lot when you're uh, when you're young when you're a young man and uh, you're being taught that uh, you're going to uh, you're going to know how to do these kind of things
0: yeah and it was really expected in those days I guess it's a a little different today where where they didn't have well I mean I know in my case we grew up it was pretty rural our closest neighbor was a good quarter of a mile from the house and so we did not have a huge support system in, in where we lived at the time I grew up there it was really the country it's since changed it's become kind of the suburbs but um At the time I grew up there it was considered a very very rural area was that
1: did you have a similar experience or were you more in the suburbs well we were in the suburbs but it was very it was very rural from that perspective Um, not as rural as that you know we had next door next-door neighbors although we lived on I believe was three-quarters of an acre and that those kind of things but it was um, you know a little closer than that so I got to know my neighbors I had to work on their homes yep Yep. You know, and those those uh and one thing led to another. And it just wasn't homes that we worked on, you know, it was every it was cars, cars, it was lawnmowers. Lawnmowers. My dad always do, you know, um boats fixing fi- boats, <laughs> bikes, you, know, you e- name it. Everything, you know, yeah. we built our own motorbikes and all those kind of things. So it was, you know, I'm sure in the audience there's people in the audience that have a lot of similar experiences. Um, and I'm
0: sure there's a lot that don't. <laughs> and there's a lot that there's
1: a lot that don't, but uh, you know coming up in those years everybody was uh, expected to uh you know pull their own weight and do their own do their own repairs and and, yeah, and learn you, those things
0: and things have changed a lot since then you know we, do, we just i know in our in our area we did just you just didn't have the number of providers that you have today so you did not have the number of repair people you did not have those kinds of things and that's where it really was a self-reliant uh, type situation um, i grew up in a very again it was a rural um, I never did describe, the house I grew up in was actually built in 1812, the original part of the house was built in 1812, and then there were three additions that have been put on the house since then. One was built probably in the 1920s, I'd say, 20s to 30s, just looking at the way it was built, and then the the third edition was the edition that my father did, that was in the late 50s and into the early 60s. So that's the house that I grew up in from that standpoint, and it's really uh, it was a walk through time it was really interesting to see different construction methods and things like that on that particular house because the original house had no nails in it it was all pegged together and and we'll we'll have conversation on what that means later but um the first two sections of the house had plath lath, lath and plaster wood lath and plaster that's, that's the way ours was dude. yeah and you're i was going to say yeah. i know a house built yep. in the 50s was probably maybe yep. made of drywall maybe but probably not ours wasn't and uh, yeah and I, I mean i've seen that in other places where out into the 50s and 60s they did, still were making lath and plaster um and we'll describe what that is in a in a future show at some time but um that's just a part of the of the place and i too shared those same things we we were we worked on everything we worked on our own cars we worked and i say we it's my brother myself my dad um we worked on our own cars we worked on the lawnmowers we cut the grass we did the fences we did uh you know you name it we did it we did the rot we shoot we pumped the septic tank once you know which was not a lot of fun but
1: um no it doesn't sound like that it would be a, too a, much yeah, fun you know. <laughs> it was oh so, yeah yeah we'll let so, that one go
0: uh, but uh that's that's some of the experiences that we've had and and since then john where what have you been have you, where else have you lived and what were some of the other things that that you've done in
1: your job as a profession as a career so i really got into you know from from that start of learning how to do all these things and working on the lawnmowers and the cars what we just talked about you know i my neighbor was a master mechanic. I apprenticed under him uh, for most of my, my high school years, and I rebuilt cars, did body off restores on cars, and uh, moved on to aviation. Really? And that's where you and I had met. We'll talk yep. about that in a, in a few minutes. Uh, but I went, to, uh, I went to flight school, uh, learned to fly before I even had my driver's license, uh, after I got out of high school, I went to college and uh, studied uh, aviation uh, mechanics. Uh, I came out of that with a bachelor of science degree plus my uh, airframe power plant license and went to work for the one of the major airlines uh, for about 10 years. And where was that? That was in Miami. Miami. That was in Miami. So I got to experience uh, all all of that, uh, all those building uh, techniques down there as well, but uh, a lot of concrete. A lot of concrete. A lot of it concrete. was, yeah, it was a lot of a lot of heavy duty, wind concrete. resistant, <laughs> wind, wind resistant, resistant thing. Yeah, for all the reasons and hot
0: so, and hot weather. So in hot weather. Yeah, and I and so I too. So coming out of uh, college, I went to college in Central New York. Um, I lived in in beautiful outside of Utica, New York, for a number of three or four years, and then moved to uh, Southern New Hampshire, lived and worked. I actually lived in Southern New Hampshire, worked in Boston, um, got to live on the coast, and got to see again. In in my case, I got to see a lot of the truly older homes again homes that were or or construction techniques that were old much like the house I grew up in but uh, houses built anywhere from you know I don't know the seventeen hundreds that were left up into current technologies if you want to call it that I worked in the vending industry at that time Uh, came out of work went to went to work in the vending industry which is a part of my career further on in life Um, and just uh, stayed there for about ten years and moved back to Rochester where I actually got into the truck maintenance, mobile truck maintenance business, which was a, is a whole another long story. But I was, I was, I'm, I've been a maintenance guy for most of my life. I really enjoy the maintenance side of things, mm-hmm. and I see the financial benefit to yeah.
1: to proper maintenance of exactly.
0: whatever it is that you own. It doesn't matter if it's got moving parts;
1: it needs Ex- maintenance exactly. And that's one of the that, and that's one of the values that we want to bring to in this show to our listeners is being able to really recapture some of that that money and save your save a lot of money doing yeah these, both these these type of repairs yourself money
0: and time right right and and hassle if we want to call it that because yeah. you know this and i know this but maintenance is one of those oftentimes overlooked things that people say ah, i just don't need to do it right now and while that's true correct I guess I want to. I'm going to ask you a question. So if mm-hmm. you if you were working on that airplane, mm-hmm. and the guy said, uh, "Well, you know that that flap, that bolt that yeah. holds the flap on there. The flaps a part of the wing that makes the mm-hmm. plane land properly." So mm-hmm. the people out there in the audience know, but you know that bolt's starting to show a wake. Like, ah, oh, John, it doesn't need maintenance. Just wait, yeah. right? Why don't you just wait on that?
1: What? Yeah, that doesn't that, that that's not gonna fly. No pun intended. No pun intended. Exactly. <laughs> um But it, that, it, that, and, that actually and has and these type of things, and you're absolutely right. They have to be they have to be looked after and preventative maintenance um and necessary maintenance. It it has to be it has to be done.
0: Does it save you a lot of money in the long and run?
1: It, a lot of money in the long at, run, yeah. And lives.
0: And well, in the case of aviation it's and, lives. And your right? house. And your house. If, your house. You, if
1: you're not if you're not keeping up with your house, and especially with your your HVAC system, or you know because of the carbon monoxide it can it can push out um, or bad faulty wiring that we run it. Very dangerous stuff. But if you keep dangerous. your eye on it and you keep up with it, you're fine.
0: Yeah, you're fine. And even other things such as, as w- making sure the water flows away from your house and, and making sure water isn't coming into your house. and uh, right. Water is, you know, is very damaging. And so, and a lot of people just kind of overlook it. That's been our experience because we go out on these jobs every week, right? And we see right. lots of things where we're like, wow, you know, if, if you had caught this uh, 10 years ago and stopped this problem 10 years ago, you wouldn't have this major expense today. Right. And um, we'll do a, a plethora of shows on all kinds of topics from wood rot to, to gutters to, you know, you name it, roofing and things like that, that that we've seen out there in the field. But, yeah, these are all part of maintenance items. And, and I think, at least it's been my experience as a, as a professional handyman, that I see really a huge lack of basic maintenance in most people's right. homes. Right.
1: Um, or or and and that, that, You're right. That, that is very true. And that's one of the things that um, you know. It, as we as we roll out some of these podcasts for the for the audience, that we'll have different segments that we'll talk about to help them keep up and remind them what they need to be looking for.
0: Right. And we will share a lot of our information that we we live. So both of so John had alluded to it, but both of us I have a private pilot's license as well. Um, one thing that we've learned from the aviation industry is the power of the checklist. Do you agree with that, John? Absolutely. Yeah, And, and, and to give you an idea of what a checklist is, when you that pilot doesn't go out there and just jump in the cockpit of the plane, unlike your car, right? And I learned this. I worked for a long time in the medium and heavy duty trucking industry and it's the same thing. Technically by or DOT law. i was going to say georgia dot law but it's actually nationwide a truck driver is supposed to go out and do a walk around around his truck and every pilot does that mm-hmm. right so that pilot doesn't go out there and jump in that airplane seat and just say hey fire up let's rock rock and roll baby you know like away we go right. he goes through an exhaustive checklist of i can't remember about how many items is it you probably know better than i do but it's several hundred Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Especially in commercial, they're they're all doing that all the time. Yeah. And And um, I know a lot of us, you know, when we fly, we take it all for granted. But those, you know, you can't. Right. Because can't. one and, mistake. And, right. Well, and it goes and it goes for your uh, for your home too. Correct. I mean, not to not to that extent, perhaps. But you know, it keeps you out of a lot of financial issues.
0: It does, and those are the things. So we'll we'll in coming up, we'll have some free resources that y'all will be able to draw on. That um, we'll send you checklists and things that we're using for our home, for our homes, and for what we do when we actually go into a property and what we're actually looking for. Um, and these are all things that, that are born out of our our. We'll call it our life experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So we've done. We both have this aviation thing, and I know I'm I'm heavy into into checklists. I do it even on my car you know I walk up I do a mental checklist before I even crank the engine just because just learned over the years to do
1: that Um, what else have you worked in John what other industries have you worked in well what I actually retired out of I I alluded to I was working for the airlines for 10 years after that I was in the uh, actually in the software business for uh, for 33 years selling uh, selling enterprise resource planning manufacturing software and uh, supply chain software so that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, you learned and Your a lot. season of life has changed, hasn't and, it? <laughs> and it has it has changed since I retired. And uh, they, uh, but you learned learned a lot about uh, a lot about business. And uh, it's been a uh, it was it was enjoyable uh, for the most part. But now it's time to, uh, you know, get back to things, you know, working with my hands again and things like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So. It's, it's a similar story for me. So I, I, I left the vending industry and actually went into doing some entrepreneurial ventures and things like that. Uh, learned, really learned business very strong. Went into doing a lot of straight commission sales. I sold a lot of equipment, mostly medium and heavy-duty trucks again. So that's Class 6 to Class 8, which is 26000 It's big, bigger trucks. We didn't sell pickup trucks. Uh, very very rarely Um, sold a lot of equipment on the back of those trucks so I was what they call a vocational truck salesperson I sold trucks that did jobs so i sold dump mm-hmm. trucks and septic tank pump trucks and uh, f- aircraft fueling trucks and all kinds of things that basically if you think about when you see a truck driving down the road that's got a piece of equipment on the back that's what i was doing mm-hmm. uh, uh, sold trucks to municipalities and things like that and then i i also ran as a side hustle i ran a vending company myself that i started many years after i'd received gotten out of the the vending uh, business and ran a vending business for probably 12 or 13 years um, and vending is a lot of maintenance it's a lot of um, it certainly learned a lot about business again uh, each individual little store learned about a lot about marketing and merchandising had to maintain my truck fleet which I actually had plenty of experience in in
1: doing so and that's a big job i mean how many how many how many machines did you have
0: i had 350 machines out at the peak we had about 110 accounts and it was a full-time job i had three or four employees that worked for me um it was it was good it was just uh again it kind of came back to i got out of it because it kind of came to a season in my life where it was just time to change um, so I left and, uh, then went back. Let's see what I do after that. Oh, then I actually went and worked for a gun club. I was the, as I say, I had the single serve vending machines, which were <laughs> clay target machines. So we kept, uh, the gun club going. We had to do a lot of refurbishment and, and a lot of rebuild and, and do a lot of things that, when we took the facility over it was in pretty rough shape we worked on the shotgun side so it was all clay targets and things like that but we had a lot of machines we had to maintain we had a facility we had to maintain we had about 350 acres we had to maintain which was another i guess it it was a lot of experience i'd had as a as a kid growing up on a farm we we knew how to take care of property if you want to call it that property meaning Open right. land and things like that, and things you have to look out for, and it's it's not that it's difficult. It just sort of has its own unique set of skills um, to do that. And then um, um, we moved out to Dallas, Texas, for a little bit, and I got back into the truck business, and then ended up moving back to Atlanta, and and so here I am in the handyman business.
1: Yeah, and I think through you know all these stories that we're we're telling the audience right now, um, is that some a lot of the things that we've learned through all that experience. Um, and I think you know one of the things that we do bring, um, that we will share with the audience through this thing, and share with our customers, and and try to work with them the best uh, the best things that we can do for them. You know, we help them do problem solving.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's critical because sometimes this, and and you know this, John, but our audience needs to know this sometimes the symptoms are not the cause right? right so you go in and for example you find wood rot well we know and we'll do a whole show on wood rot coming up in the future but we know that wood rot's caused by a moisture problem it's caused by water and the question is finding out where that water is coming from and, and that can fixing
1: be, and that can be a real challenge that's a good way to put it yeah it's
0: and so we we will talk about things like that about what I call it root cause, right so what 's the root cause and there are root causes for things that sometimes they're they 're unrelated mm-hmm. they 're completely unrelated, and I know. That I draw a lot of that experience comes from me, from the vending industry, because, man, the unrelated problems, you would have a symptom coming out of the vending machine where it would take money, or it would steal your money, well, yeah. it would take money, it would steal your money, and you'd be like, why did it do that? Well, and you come to find out it's something totally unrelated to your vending machine, completely unrelated to the vending machine, and as a result of that you're like oh man you know like it's kind of a drag but Mm -hmm. in aviation i'm sure you had the same thing that sometimes sometimes something happens at the far end of the piece of equipment that causes a problem at the front and you have to figure it out because you can't correct you have got to get it you've got to get them in sync and so we find i know i find that a lot in in a home and in, in when i'm out doing handyman jobs i find that that something's exhibiting a symptom and it comes from something totally unrelated right
1: it's right. So it's really is surprising which um you know as 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 the show grows well all those things will will uh will unfold no doubt you know
0: yeah it brings a huge amount of topics but we i call that the root cause solutioner. and, and as you said I, I consider myself what do i really do i solve problems yeah and um as i even my business card it says solution specialist and so but the problems aren't always what they seem to be uh that's, it, that's for sure, yeah,
1: you know once again so we're you know you we're we're sitting here going back and forth about our backgrounds and and talking about this um you know I think one of the things is that you know we bring we bring a lot of business experience we do. Uh, to this to 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 this to these conversations um and that that's going to translate into the into value for the uh for the listeners um because we're gonna look at it through through your eyes as well of why should I be doing these repairs? What's the benefit of doing these repairs? Should I Um, do these repairs? Should I be doing these repairs? I mean, should I be doing anything like this? you know, depending upon what the situation is. Am I buying a home? Am I selling a home? Am I doing all those kind of things? So there's a lot of value that we're gonna be, uh, we're gonna be sharing with you as well as, uh, you know, doing some some of those, uh, that problem solving and answering a lot of the questions uh, that'll be coming up here, you know. yeah, it
0: it it brings up another point you
1: just brought up a, a great point from me. It's one of the
0: things on my resume that I did not describe yet, but in the mid 90s I started buying rental properties. Mm-hmm. And actually a, a lot of my handyman the reason I'm in the handyman business right now is because I had, was doing most of the work on those rental properties. And when you look at a rental property, there's things that you do and there's things that you don't do, but that's that business side of it. It right. also is is playing into that real estate side. And so we bring value to you, our listeners, in, with with thoughts sometimes and questions, and we do envision us having a, a live email sessions where people will send us emails and we'll answer questions for them mm-hmm. um and so that'll be coming up it actually will be questions at handyman handyman pros radio so it will be questions at handyman pros radio you can send us your questions and we're gonna we will answer questions on the air uh, live and or not live but we'll answer the questions um for you on the podcast and give you pretty comprehensive things, and or send you resources to help you get those problems fixed. And uh, we feel that interaction with with you, our listeners, is going to be absolutely critical to making this show a
1: success. Plus, you're going to give us great ideas to do future shows. So... And The other thing is I I just like to add that you know listen we, we don't know everything we're going to have guests on uh, to talk about specific things that Correct. that are they're they're, they're uh, either master, you know, electricians and plumbers and you HVAC HVAC, HVAC, HVAC folks and... uh inspectors um you know you can't know everything uh, but you know when you send us those questions uh, we're going to certainly research it and we we we'll have the shows we'll actually bring people on that can answer those questions you know if they're if they're deep that we can't answer uh, we want to learn along with you.
0: We're going to be learning right there along with you. So some of the things. So it brings up a, a different conversation or topic of conversation. But in your handyman business genre, there's jobs that you
1: don't do. Uh, there are jobs that I don't do. Right, and um, same thing for me. Yeah, yeah. There are jobs that I I, I won't I won't do, um, especially at at this. Uh, at this age <laughs> is is um I'm not going to I don't I don't really go above uh two stories on a ladder and I'm not climbing up on roofs right. um you know things like that if if we uh if I get a job that's a very comprehensive job um you know that's beyond working with you on right. some of these jobs if it's a big remodel it's that's not what we, that's not yeah, what we do not what that's we do. not what we do that's not what we do we're not we're not general contractors right um, and we're going we're going to address working with general contractors because uh, we 've done it a number of times they don 't call them con yeah dash yeah, tractors. tractors for nothing but right we're yeah. going we're going to work we're gonna we're going uh help you understand how to work with them how right. to make the best of that uh, right. relationship because right. a lot of people don't um, but i 'll leave that for another show right and um so there are jobs that i won't um i won't do right um,
0: and for example i mean I know one of the things that i don't do is i don't really do HVAC work or heating, ventilating, and air conditioning work. I don't I do not do it largely because I don't have the tools, mostly. There's some specialized right. tools that those guys have and need, right. um, and they do things that, that I just don't have, and they they have a, a, a level of expertise that's higher than... I mean, I can do it. It's not a question yeah. that I can't do it, but I'm not as efficient as right. they are, and I, right. I can't do some of right. the things that they want to do. I mean, if we're talking about changing air filters, it's one thing, but we get into recharging an, an yeah, air conditioning I'd,
1: I'd rather leave a lot of things like that to, you know, the the, the pr- proper the real pr- professionals. professional Professionals yep. That do this day in and day out, yeah, yeah. and they and they and they appreciate that. Um, so we have we have good relationships with those with those folks, um, you know. And I will say that you know the other thing that we are um, we are technology guys too. So we'll bring, you know, we're going to be bringing some uh, information on uh, on smart homes, uh, all kinds of ways that you can use technology in your home to make life a lot easier, yeah. especially in in repairs. Yeah. And then also
0: one other thing that we'll bring, and the, again, these are somewhat, we'll call them value statements. These are things we hope to bring to you that are worthwhile, but things we we talked about checklists a little bit, but we also, we're big, both of us are financial guys. We like, uh, we're business guys, mm-hmm. and we're going to bring you some spreadsheets on actually tracking your, your availability or what your costs are on your home, because a home always costs you more to to live in than you think and some of the things you don't pay attention to but those will be free resources that we'll put out there as well so there's a lot of things going on and, and this is basically who we are and and uh, and what we're gonna bring you um, and with that John is there anything else you want to add
1: no I think uh, that's uh, you know I'd, I'd like to say to the uh, the listener that uh, appreciate uh, appreciate you folks listening to us uh, that's a little bit about uh, my, you know our background And hopefully that kind of sets the stage for our upcoming shows. Yeah, perfect. Sounds like a wrap. All right. Thank you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed this podcast and have derived some value from it, here's four things you can do. One, tell your friends about this podcast. Two, hit subscribe on your podcast player. While you're there, leave a review. Feedback is so helpful. Three, subscribe to our newsletter by going to handymanprosradioshow.com and click on the subscribe button. We'll inform you of upcoming events, shows, and give you actionable tips for maintaining your home and property. Four, send us an email with your questions to questions at handymanprosradioshow.com. That's handymanprosradioshow.com. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Handyman Pros Radio Show.